0: Welcome to Livable Launch, the podcast where we dive into the world of real estate and property development, focusing on what's launching now, and exploring the stories behind the industry's biggest movers and shakers. I'm your host, Matthew Slutsky, and in today's episode we have a true titan of the Toronto real estate scene joining us, the condo king himself, Brad J. Lamb. Known as Toronto's top condominium broker, Brad is more than just a broker, He's a visionary developer and a driving force behind Canada's flourishing real estate market. With an impressive 30 years of industry experience, Brad serves as the CEO of both Brad J. Lamb Realty Inc. and Lamb Development Corp., solidifying his position as a powerhouse in the field. He was also the star of the TV series Big City Broker, the show that started the agency reality realty craze. Brad's expertise extends far beyond his role as a broker and developer. He's the mastermind behind the marketing and sales campaigns of over 130 condominium projects across six major Canadian cities. Brad is continuously pushing boundaries and reshaping the urban landscape. Brad's forward thinking approach and unwavering commitment to excellence have earned him a well deserved reputation as an industry pioneer. In this episode of Livable Launch, we'll delve into Brad J. Lamb's remarkable journey, his exciting upcoming launches, the challenges facing our city, and the invaluable lessons learned throughout his illustrious career. We'll uncover the secrets behind his success, his unique insights into the ever-evolving real estate market, and his vision for the future of urban development. So, whether you're an aspiring real estate professional, a seasoned investor, or simply intrigued by the inner workings of the industry, sit back, relax, and get ready for an enlightening conversation with Brad J. Lamb on Livable Launch. Let's dive in. Hey, Brad, welcome to the show. Um, I think a lot of times you go onto these podcasts and the the interviewee says it's a pleasure to be here. But uh, honestly, it's a pleasure for me to be here speaking to you. You've been um, a key player in the market since the 80s, from being um, one of the, if not the first condo broker, to becoming a builder, to running both. Um, You obviously have seen Toronto across multiple markets. So it's honestly an honor to be here speaking to you. So welcome. To the show Thank you. so this show is called livable launch and really it's about what are you launching what do you have coming up um, what do you have in the 416 905 and beyond and what does your schedule look like what do you plan on launching uh, first and what, what's kind of unique about your current launch schedule
1: well we have about two dozen projects in our queue to launch uh, we have five that are essentially approved and ready to go so shelf ready uh, so the first one i think we're going to bring to market is one we're calling east richmond which is richmond ontario next east 55. it's a 43 story tower lovely piece of architecture uh, we're, we're thinking fall uh, if not fall then early winter uh, next year uh, after that we have a building we're calling queen which is a queen in sumac it's a 15 story 160 unit uh, building maybe 100,000 hundred thousand feet uh, a beautiful brick building, very historic looking, has some modern edge to it, uh, uh, really lovely, and that'll come right after, so we're going to try to move these projects within two months of each other and just kind of work our way through them. Uh, Then after that I think we're going to do something we're calling um, Sterling Automotive, which is a a 19-story tower at Bloor, uh, and Sterling, a beautiful piece of architecture, uh, about 400 units there. And then right after that, we're going to do um, a building we're calling Flatiron West, and this is uh, at Howard Park, and Ronsey in that area, and that's a a 10 or 11 story flatiron-shaped building, very modern, very cool, about 150-60 units, Uh, and and then after that, we have one we're calling Berkeley House or the Berkeley House. I can't remember if it's Berkeley House or the Berkeley House. And that's at 102, or 102 Berkeley, which is between Richmond and Adelaide on the west side. It's a, a little warehouse, and we're doing a 35-story, super thin, super cool building, about 275 units. So those are the ones we can see uh, that, are, that are coming uh, in the next year, I think. Our construction company, which we also uh, own our own construction company called Elsium Construction Management. And uh, we currently have three, three buildings under construction. Uh, we have Bread Company. Uh, McCall, we have Bauhaus King East, and we have uh, a television city in Hamilton, a twin tower. Um, so we have to take our build, our construction company up from three at a time, and our goal is 12 at a time.
0: Have you have you always built your own? Have you always had your own construction company?
1: No. We, we built the last three buildings. Uh, we started it about five years ago, and it's worked out really well.
0: I want to talk a bit about architecture, because one of the things I've always loved about your buildings... Was the architectural styling, uh, choice of materials. I think you you have got a pretty unique eye in the city. Where does your inspiration come from? When you talk about, you know, your next one coming up at East uh, East Richmond, where, where what, what's what's your inspiration for the building?
1: Well, I kind of come up with the shape, right. So when I when I see a development site, I kind of think about what it can be, and I imagine uh, kind of the shape of it, and then I. I use two firms now. I, I, I mostly use Architects Alliance, and I also use AA, which is Aphrodite Lagat, who came out of Core, and she was always our architect at Core mostly. And um, you, you know, we we uh, they we collaborate a lot on what it's going to look like. We look at uh, images of other things that might be motivating, kind of streamline. It's a process. Like there's a building over there on the wall that's a, that's a, a one we do in, in uh, Mississauga, and that we went through one architect and we got the second architect and it took me four years to perfect that and now it's beautiful i mean this is the nicest mid-rise that that, uh, mississauga's ever going to see a really lovely building but it's agonizing like it's just agonizing coming up with a design and 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 so much of the design uh influences the units and what the units are going to look like
0: i was about to ask you you know i find so many builders especially the not-so-experienced builders might come up with a really beautiful exterior, but when it comes to the floor plans, they can um, not be the greatest floor plans. Do you agonize over floor plans to the extent you agonize over the exterior?
1: Yeah, first first comes the floor plans. Um, so we're looking for a shape that'll work for good, good marketable, sellable floor plans. And, and floor plans that can command higher prices per square foot, because it's a tough business to make money in. So we do that, but some sometimes the shape influences like, for instance, at 102 Berkeley, uh, the property is 70 feet wide and 150 feet deep. So 70 feet on the street and 150 feet deep. And what we ended up with, we gave the city a park in the front. And in return, they gave us more height. So now we have a 35-story building that's 70 feet by 80 feet. And so the floor plans uh, are, you know, very wide, shallow, useful floor plans. Uh, and and not, you know, uh, like 10 feet wide and 60 feet deep, which you, you get in some... Uh, difficult uh, sites that are uh, perhaps very deep and not very wide. So we, we start with floor plans uh, and then an idea and then we, we fine-tune it.
0: That's great and when you look at your unit mixes, how do you decide on your unit mix? Are you, are you gearing units? To, I mean obviously investors buy up the market now, um, so the way the, the Toronto market works. But are you gearing your, your unit mixes really for the investor or how do you how do you create a good balance between investor purchases and, and real end user livability?
1: Uh, it, it's clear to me that the category we work in is affordable luxury housing. We're not building homes for families, typically, although there are some units in these buildings that are for families, but we don't find, uh, our buyers are typically families so you know the city forces 10% three-bedroom 15% two-bedroom and then they force uh, we negotiate up to 40% being convertible into two bedrooms or three bedrooms so we have to start with that the other 75% we try to get between 320 square feet and nothing bigger than 800 square feet. And we try to accomplish a three-bedroom in 800 square feet. It's tough to do a good one and we don't want to, you know, I've seen somewhere a three-bedroom is basically three bedrooms plus a kitchen and a little dining nook and there's no living area. It's, it's really like a dormitory. We won't do that kind of stuff so we want to make sure that uh, if we do a three-bedroom it's, it's got enough room where there's a dining area, a living area, three bedrooms, you know, two bathrooms. Uh, and, and that there's some civility in the floor plan. But it's tough. It is tough because, you know, $1,600 a foot is a downtown number and added to make money. That's what you have to be at. And, um, and so you've got you to be cognizant of what people can afford and also where does a house become really competitive. And I always said that the condo market in Toronto would really take off when the house market was significantly more expensive than a, than a two or two-bedroom, three-bedroom condo. And that really happened for us in the in the kind of early to mid 2000s, where houses became out of reach at a million, three million, four, uh, and condos at eight, nine hundred thousand were a good alternative. You know, back when prices were say seven hundred, six hundred a foot, uh, and and that's the same thing going on now in Hamilton, and Cambridge, and other cities that have not historically had good high-rise markets. Uh, but are getting them now because house prices are higher the only way to get multifamily in a city is to have house prices single-family home prices out of reach of most people
0: and if you're looking at 1600 a foot in downtown toronto and that's kind of the number where it makes sense and there's obviously things launching at higher prices and you're looking at the you know selling to investors how does how do those numbers make sense to an investor when you're looking at rental rates like is it is it still i guess the question is is it still is it too late to invest in condos if you're a kind of an early stage investor?
1: Well, um, it it's not too late. Um, I think the model is different. I think that um, I often thought about this as as we were working in the four to five hundred foot range, and I was looking to the future and saying where where is this going to go and how high can it go? Um, and I looked at New York, and I looked at you know Hong Kong, looked at London, and they have a vibrant rental market of condominiums. In fact, I owned a condominium in New York at one time that I'd bought from floor plans. And the reality is, is that um, w- people think that rents are too high, but rents are too low. They are too low. Um, and that's a whole other subject to talk about. But um, right now, I think 2000 to $2,100 is what you'd get for a studio, 350 square feet. And that's going to sell for about $500, 500 a quarter. So... You're getting probably uh, something like 18 to 20,000 net rent on that, and that works out to a 4 cap. Um, I think that condos, that's the best case scenario, and I think it falls down to like a, a two and a half three cap for a three bedroom. Um, what we're finding is that uh, when I first started selling apartments, we, we sold apartments out of model suites. We'd build a big sales center. I'd staff with a ton of people. People that walked in were people, they had children, they had baby carriages, they were looking to buy and, and move in and, and make it their home. But, but, you know, it was hard to get people to pull the trigger on that if they had time to consider it. Because the best scenario for them is to wait till you build it and then they can see what they're getting. So, you know, the, the, the selling of apartments back then, you know, you could, you could get a, a five cap. In Toronto, for a very short period of time, there was a period where we were at two, three hundred dollars a foot, and you know, one bedroom rent was fifteen hundred, and it cost you one hundred and fifty thousand to own. And they, they made tons of sense, and a lot of local investors. I'm talking about, you know, non-ethnic investors. Okay,
0: like, what are we looking at? there? That's like two, early two thousands.
1: Yeah, like? like I'd say late nineties to two thousand five. It was dominated by I'm going to say mostly white people. Let's just to say that, right? People that you would normally think of uh as a you know as a a non-ethnic canadian let's say and um and you know these are people that had had made perhaps you know generations in toronto or been here a long time and saw the evolution of real estate and really looked down their nose at condo living so you almost had to like you know you had to have a really great deal for them to buy yeah and then what happened is you know, I would say it was the advent of uh, very strong ethnic brokers, Russian, Chinese, you know, uh, Pakistani, Indian, um, Middle Eastern brokers that became tremendously influential in terms of having a lot of buyers. I think, you know, their buyers you could arguably say are Canadian, but some could be funded from somewhere else. But it's Canadian money, yep. but not the traditional Canadian buyer that we saw, you know, in the early 2000s. And they dominate the market now. And, and uh, so I would say that so that when we look at our our, our sales list and you can often tell by the last name where someone's from, we look at that and we say, well, that's interesting because I think perhaps 10 percent of our buyers are now, you know, the traditional English, uh, British, Scottish, whatever names, right? And the rest are are, are you know either uh, you know at some point new immigrants, right? Maybe it was 100 years ago, maybe it was 10 years ago. But they're not the typical name you would see as as a you know a, an old school Canadian name, and that dominates the market now. And it's very exciting because we're bringing lots of new Canadians here. We're changing the dynamics of Canada. It's making uh, Toronto and other large cities way more interesting, way more dynamic, more beautiful cities, more beautiful people, and uh, that's the dominant factor now. And I and so I think I think that if you you know. Um, we often talk to, uh, well, we always talk to our, our brokers we work with, and um, if you're doing well and you live in, in Russia, well, you can see there's a bit, of, a bit of risk living in Russia right now, right? There's a war going on, and, and so Russians want to get money out of Russia, and they want to find a safe haven, and so their, their motivation for an investment may be a Rolex gold watch that they can put in a safe, it may be diamonds. It may be holding American cash. It doesn't depreciate a whole lot. And it may be condos in, in, in North American cities that have stable economies and stable governments. So they're, they're not really looking for a five cap like the traditional investor right. would be, right? They're looking for stability, stability a, a hedge against conflict or a hedge against inflation. And they're not looking traditionally to make uh, a fortune. They don't want to lose money. They want to make money. But they're okay, they're okay if they hedge, and that means if they buy a $600,000 with, condo with cash and they rent that condo for $2,200 a month and it costs them $900 a month to own, they're still generating cash. It might be a 3% return on their money, but on cash on cash, before we had this inflation, that was better than you'd get in a T-bill, right? And then you have the beauty of being in a safe haven and earning a capital gain down the road. So I think there's been a change. I think people need to put more money down. Uh, it doesn't mean that, um, listen, my mother-in-law, um, rented all her life and she just bought a condominium in, in Hamilton, a studio. Now she's not gonna live in it. She's going to use it as a stepping stone to get to a house at some point. It might take her 15 years, maybe 20 years, but you know, uh, she bought it. Uh, she, uh, borrow from some money from her mother she put some money down herself and she's paying it off over time and she's going to have you know it was probably four hundred thousand dollars to buy it and she's going to have seventy thousand or whatever down uh in another you know maybe five or six months and and she never could have done that without that goal of three or four years away and when she's done she'll have to have a bit more money down maybe 80 or ninety thousand, which she's saving for and the mortgage might cost her, you know, it might be all in, maybe $1,800, and she'll probably get $1,600, and she might cost her a couple hundred dollars a month to own, but she has a place uh, that uh, will certainly be worth more money than she paid, you know, when she bought it, and it'll it'll give her a foot in the door, and who knows, in three years, rents might be an extra $200 higher in uh, in Hamilton than they're projecting right now. So, People can do it. You know, uh, People can bundle money together. People can uh, get loans from their family. They can Two or three people can come together. The first property I bought was myself and my two brothers. I had, I had, tw- I had like 2000 or $2,500 saved after three years of working as an engineer. My older brother had the same, and my younger brother got loaned by my dad, and we bought a townhouse in London, Ontario, and we rented it. That was my first property, and we made money on that. And when we sold it, we bought three more.
0: I remember hearing the story, and then you yeah. went on a. Then uh, you really started buying up properties, uh-huh. and that, that was the end of engineering for you.
1: Yeah, uh, it was. I went on a tear, but I. But what I did is I learned, buying one property was difficult, but I understood how to skin it at that point. I knew what I could borrow. I knew where I could get money together, and and um, I never borrowed any money, in my real estate career. I never borrowed any money from family members. That twenty five hundred dollars was my grub stake. To, to where I am today, and we're do, dealing in billions of dollars of development, right? So, I, I mean, it was the same for me back then. I didn't have it. I made $20,000 a year. Now kids that are making $90,000 a year, yeah, they have to come up with forty or 50000 as a down payment. It's, 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 it's relatively roughly the same, um, you know, and, and also interest rates are much lower now than they were. Even now, they're much lower than they were when I was. Well,
0: I was going to ask you about it, you know, if you, if you look at your upcoming projects, And you talked about, you know, it could be the Russians putting money. No matter who's buying these units, they're buying them as for future rentals. I mean, that is our rental stock. We've got a huge population coming. I mean, our big immigration levels, um, but this increase in interest rates has essentially stopped sales for the last year and a half. Like there's going to be a major deficit on new construction over the next two years. Do you just see like prices are going to sky,
1: like- Well, let me, let me, let, yeah, let yeah, me put it in sold. perspective, okay? So I, I sold 1,000 new condos in 2022. That was from January to June. From June to June, this office has maybe sold 70 condos, new condos, right. my development company. A disaster. Now, we had our best year ever, you know, for, <laughs> it was like for, yeah. for like you know 180 days. It is terrible. And, and so it, what this is going to do is it's, it's going to bankrupt uh, poorly capitalized developers. It's, gonna, it's going to um, it's gonna get projects canceled the longer it goes like this. Um, it's going to uh, create a massive problem uh, six months, a year, or a year and a half, two years from now in terms of the supply-demand curve. So we have completely suppressed artificially uh, supply and demand right? Uh, demand is, is, I mean, you know, there were a million people that immigrated to Canada in 2022. Um, you know, the, the typical years are 330,000, so a 300% increase. We couldn't stay on top of the demand for rental housing and and, and cheap housing at those numbers, 330,000. We are completely underwater now. And All that's going to happen is we're going to have this artificial uh, Bank of Canada, Liberal government created suppression in prices, which is very good to get elected. It's going to make people feel like someone's done something about the housing crisis, but they've made it worse. It's the next guy's problem. So, you know, here's the thing. I'm saying we need 1,600 a foot now. In five years, it's 2,000 a foot. We'll be at 2,000 a foot.
0: You think think that... Across the board, 2000 a foot. It's in the, Toronto, yeah.
1: across the board, yeah. I, I think that in Hamilton will be at 1500 a foot, in Cambridge will be at 15, in Scarborough will be at 15. Already in Markham, they're selling at 13 to 1350 a foot. In so Markham.
0: I wanted to ask you about this the, the, the difference between kind of 905 to 416, or when I say 905, it's kind of anything outside of the 416. 416 used to be the hot areas where we had all the launches. It was, now I'm seeing the opposite. Now I'm seeing every launch outside the core and builders
1: seem to be a bit more hesitant on actually launching in the core. Yeah, well, that's not, that's not based on where, you know, what I would say is homeowners want to be. It's based on where investors are prepared to spend. Right. Uh, you know, so when we, I was telling you, we used to open these big sales centers and, and have all these people come in and, and we do that for like two weekends and try to sell like 30% of the building and then it would take us two years to sell the rest of it. The model now is a weekend. You, you want to launch in a weekend and sell. If we've got 400 units to sell, we want to sell 320 in a weekend. And we have this frenzy of 2,000 or 2,500 worksheets, and we're figuring out who's who and what, you know, who we want to sell to and who, who do we owe favors to in terms of brokers that sell a lot of our product. And we put a package together, and we send them all out literally in 24 hours and collect checks and signatures and get them done. And the goal is, is that in like three weeks, you're done. Open and closed, and you moved 500 million in real estate. It's insane, right? But that's the model. Well, that model, that model, you know, the 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 model is investor based, and I told you who those investors are. And obviously, if you're a Chinese investor, you're quite comfortable with the 905 because there's a very large Chinatown, if you want to call it, or Chinese community outside of downtown. It doesn't mean that they don't they don't see the value in downtown, but they're very comfortable in Mississauga, Richmond Hill. Markham, Scarborough, Burlington, Oakville, Milton—they're very comfortable in those areas, and those areas will continue to do well just because they're—they're they're like twenty percent cheaper, twenty-five percent cheaper. And by the way, the rents are only ten or fifteen percent cheaper, so you can do a little bit better there.
0: Right. I mean, that, that's what I'm seeing—is is yeah. the, the kind of rent in the, these areas are just almost on par with downtown. I mean, it's like a—it's uh, pretty incredible to see what's the, going. But the
1: end of the day, though, what drives people is—is is reproduction. That's what we're all about. And there's gonna be less reproduction, you know, in, in the Markham city center area than, than King Street West, right? The drive to meet people to reproduce the species is an overwhelming urge. And that's why uh, cities do well because there's so many people there. And you,
0: you mentioned this selling out in the first weekend. I mean, it's definitely the norm now. It's you're either, if you don't sell in the first weekend, your, your project's a flop. I mean, it's kind of this crazy attitude where, where when I was on the development side, it was like a year. You, you, year, you knew maybe a year and a half, you were going to have to sell what, you know, you were both, as I mentioned, a, a realtor and you were, I think one of the first, if not the first to really specialize in condos to, to still owning your brokerage and being a developer. What do you think about this new system of launching where you have the, these VIP realtors and you know certain people can get allocations and it, is it what you as a developer, is it what you want to be seeing
1: or? well. So you're of two heads, right? So it costs you way more money because you're paying huge fees. Like the the cost is uh, typically six to six and a half percent of your budget is is sales commissions. Um, but you have certainty, right? And and. The thing about being a developer is you, you're always second guessing yourself. Did we price it too high? Is this thing gonna fail? Do people really like my work? You know, it's like, I think it's the same thing if you're like a movie star and you, you have 10 hits and then a flop and you're like, oh, nobody wants to see me anymore. I'm a flop. We're always, you know, it's, it's a nervous, like developers are, are a cocky, arrogant, uh, confident breed, but there, there there's also that underlying Worry, am I as good as I think I am, you know? And so, um, you know, we worry and we wanna know it's buttoned up and ready to go. And sometimes you're prepared to leave, uh, you know, a few million dollars on the table to know that you've locked in your profit, you can build it and go on to the next one, right? And, and so I used to be of the mind that I wanted to keep a lot of units at the end, uh, like, you know, 20% or something like that. And I'm less of that mind. Now that we have so many projects we're doing I understand how Menkes and Tridell feel about let's just sell it all out and know it's done, get the checks, and move on. and right. And so I, I, I've moved more into that camp that we we're you know we're prepared to sell, even though I think we could get more money four years from now when it's finished. I think there's some uh, there's some real security in knowing it's done and the risk is gone. Taking kind of a step back to something you mentioned about kind of the celebrities
0: of the world. Um, you were the star of a show called big city broker um kind of the first the first of its kind in the real estate space um and i will say when when you walked in here i was in your lobby i could still see that like kind of everybody was turning their heads as you i knew you were about to walk in because i could see every car was slowing down and looking you're you're still kind of this you're kind of the face of real estate in toronto which is pretty amazing but uh big city broker i think started that entire movement towards I don't know the names of all these shows. There's Million City, Million Watt Brokerage, or, or something. Um, they're very obviously scripted. Yeah. Was your scripted? Was that? Was it real? If you look back now, I think that I think that was probably 12 years ago. So maybe it more. started
1: off not being scripted. Um, so the, the, I think if you see the first few episodes, are kind of, I think they're kind of rough. We we just realized that it couldn't be impromptu. Um, that it had to be more scripted. And it became more scripted. Uh, We we were able to make so we would have meetings, and so I would tell them what was coming up, right? Like we have this launch coming up, we have this new project. We could do this and and different things. We could film and stuff. And so to that extent, you know, we had to we had to storyboard and plan where it was going. But the only way for me to continue working, like I I couldn't spend all my time doing big city broker and not be the big city broker. You know what I mean? So. um, it became more scripted and it became more irritating to do for me and in the end i did it for three years we did almost 40 episodes and um on one hand i like i like the power of, of being able to get a message out there which is important i think because you know we were we were trying to actually accomplish something to, to let people know what re- selling real estate was really about sort of an inside ticket on that but um you know it was it was just uh, it was just too much, and you know we 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 were uh, we were becoming it was becoming a bigger show. Uh, it had it, it did have influence. It was so my um, we were in about 50 countries. My wow. uh, my producer who came to me initially when I was I was a toy factory selling toy factory and there's this guy following me around. I'm like, what the fuck does this guy want? <laughs> Looking at me, following me around, like, what's he want? And he came up to me and said, "Hey, I'm so and so from this TV production company. We want to, We want to do a TV show around you." I'm like, "Fuck off! What are you talking about?" And then, you know, I had some meetings with them, and I kind of got, I got around to it. But um, they left uh, when when we, our show broke. They went down to New York, and they were the ones who produced. I think it's selling new all those big shows that were in London, yeah. Miami, LA, New York, they were the producers of those and they took this model. No way to So you were the first. I mean that, we were the first. Yeah. We were the one that spawned all selling Sunset. All of those are based on this model, sold into a bigger marketplace. Could and you much bigger shows? Would
0: you ever I mean you obviously have a I think at the time you weren't a developer yet, or you were just starting. With yeah. everything else going on now, could you see doing that show again or, or are you done? That part
1: Well funny enough, so They've come to me four times, pitching me on, the same guys, same people, pitching me on shows. uh, And the last one they pitched me on, I said, okay, if we do it, so what they wanted to do was, they wanted to do a show, maybe I shouldn't say, because it might get angry at me, but it was a a show that was based on being, uh, it was about billion billion air developers, or billion dollar developers. And it was about going around the world and, me kind of you know fleshing out how they do it versus gotcha. how we do it and 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 I, you know my comment was well like we'd have to do like we'd have to do like it twice a year and in a 10-day period we'd have to do like 10 cities or eight, so like to right. get it done i, I couldn't I, like, flying around the world is, is debilitating right it's exhausting and so we'd have to really compress it and 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 so i said i i I'm, i'll we can talk more about it uh, and then we we just Never did it.
0: Talking about going around the world and seeing how other countries do it. Is there any, I think Toronto, from what I can see and you know I'm now part of a, BuzzBuzz well, Buzz Home was across in the US as well and now part of a much larger organization. I don't think anybody, any builders do sales like we do it in Toronto. I think we are by far the leaders on, on the, sorry, on the marketing side specifically. Yeah. Um, what cities do you look to when you when you either not just for architecture? Obviously, there's architectural design, but when it comes to like sales and marketing, what cities do you look to as, as really they're all the unique- hope,
1: they're really hopeless? Like, I bought a condo in New York in two thousand and eight. It was painful. It was painful. I I must have called them. The, 50 times to get a response you know and you, it was like you were begging for it was so bizarre to me and and in the in the end the, so I, I bought a unit and and they took too long to build so I got out of that one and mark and and prices fell and so I bought one in Chelsea and I I was the 10th buyer of of 140 units and they still treated me like shit it's like you you have no sales and and, and then you know uh, I've I bought. Uh, th- Four condos in Miami. So, uh, and each time was painful. Like, I don't understand how any project ever sells in Miami. I, I don't get it. I just recently bought a 4,000 square foot apartment, which is a big apartment in a very nice project that's under construction. We're actually getting it in another week or two. Um, the, commu- the communication, zero. Like, we, we'd have to beg them for an update. Um, you, you have no choice of finishes. It's A. Right. This is like a $4 million to $5 million apartment, yeah. and you get A. You get this floor, this kitchen, this top, A. We offer thousands of permutations. They, they don't give a, a hoot, in my opinion, in the experiences I've had in those two big cities, uh, about um, they're just terrible at it. You, you mentioned your construction company. Um and
0: obviously, expanding upon that, obviously, you've got a lot in the works. But seeing what you just talked about, will we be
1: seeing Brad Lamb in any U.S. markets? Or Do you have any U.S. expansion plans? So I, I have, uh, I said at the start of this thing, I have two dozen projects that are Fiverr approved. And we'll have another five, I think, approved in the next five or six months. And then uh, I think we'll have uh, 15 or 16 by next spring. And then we have um, a bunch of new stuff in Hamilton and a major, major development in Cambridge that are just... Early design phase so we set a program out to see what we could do in the next 10 years and if I do 12 if I do um, three ground breakings a year they take about four years to build three or four years so nine to twelve at a time from from start to finish nine nine or twelve I have ten years of construction uh, right now and, and sales marketing construction I I don't know how so so we recently We recently started offering on on sites in Calgary. Again, low rise. We're gonna do uh, stick, six story stick out there. And we're working on something. My problem is uh, I can only sell so many units in Toronto. You gotta sell a project, wait a bit, launch, sell but wait a bit. So you can't do 10 or 20 in this city. So we're looking to be able to grow elsewhere and not use my construction company necessarily here. Maybe we'll hire other ones or we'll maybe develop another one in that city. But going to the U.S., for instance, there's no other Canadian city I, I want to work in. We'll work in the GTA, like Scarborough. You know, GTA for me is like down to Niagara Falls. even yeah. the influence of the GTA. But I don't think we'll be in the U.S. anytime soon. It would probably be 10 years from now.
0: What about? Um, obviously, I, I mentioned. I think you've got a, a killer design eye. What about on low rise? Could you ever see doing your, like a um, single-family housing development with like kind of a unique? Style yeah. to
1: it. Yeah, we, we bought a, a, a hundred acres outside of Creemore. Well, in Creemore, it's in the town uh, of Creemore, and uh, it's about 800 houses. Oh. and we're um, we, we're going to do is we're this is this is not it won't be a modern community, which is really what I'd like to do. But you can't you can't they're very hard to do in this province because the neighbors go nuts over that. Um, so we're going to do a Victorian village with true victorian architecture well done not the madame stuff but real good stuff Uh, with rear lanes rear garages porches in the front street so you can see your kids play in front of you and cars aren't on the street they're in the back parking not so much traffic creating more of a a city center in cream like try to expand the city center we'll build a little central park and stuff around the park and we're going to try to do this um uh we're trying, and 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 so we're working with the, the town or, or township or whatever it is of Creemore. They're very nice people, um, and we're. I feel like in about three years we'll be ready to start selling it, uh, and it's it's very exciting. We've never I've never done anything like it. I don't know that I want to do more, more of it, but I want to try it. I want to do it, and I want I I, I really want to do like you know when I'm driving on the 401 and I look like north and south, and, and I see Milton and I see Mississauga. I'm like every house looks the same. Yeah. You go to Markham and you're driving around You're like, this could be Oakville, like, it, just does, it all looks the same. Yeah. We wanna do a development that looks nothing like anyone else has ever done. And try to make it, you know, facade wise beautiful. And I mean, every, the finishes in those houses are fine. We're not gonna break any records there, but we wanna to try to spend a little bit more time and attention on, on architecture. Kind of like what we do with our condos. Our condos don't cost a whole lot more than other condos to build. We just spend more time on the detail it shows i hope it does i hope
0: it does well, that's really exciting i've always thought there's a lot of room on these subdivisions to just do better work so that's exciting to hear well I want to thank you very much i really enjoyed this conversation um if somebody you got again you've got a lot on the go a lot coming up over the next 12 months somebody's listening say i've got to buy a Brad lamb uh either house in three or four years or uh or apartment or condo what do they do who do they? Uh, where do they contact?
1: Uh, they could go to com, They could go to lambdevelopment.com. They could uh, call 416 368 LAM, which is our office phone number. Uh, and any one of those places, they could send us an email uh, and will respond to it but we're going to make it we're going to everyone's going to know we're, we're not going to hide this we're going to any project we do we're going to massively expose to people so if they have their eyes and ears open they'll find them
0: it, it's, it's one of the unique things about you being both a developer and a sales company I mean most builders can't do sales I mean it's a uh, actually having, having a builder who knows their sales number is pretty amazing so uh, thank you very much really enjoyed this call
1: Talk. Oh, thank you
0: Thank you for tuning into livable launch your go-to podcast for all things condo and new home launches. We hope today's episode has given you valuable insights into the exciting world of real estate development and the minds behind these remarkable projects. We're incredibly grateful to our esteemed guests and our dedicated listeners like you who continue to make this podcast a success. Remember livable launch is here to keep you informed, inspired, and engaged with the ever evolving landscape of condo and new home developments. We value your feedback and want to ensure that Livable Launch remains your trusted source of information. So don't hesitate to reach out. Remember, we're all in this exciting journey together. If you have any questions or suggestions for future episodes, we'd love to hear from you. Connect with us on our website or social media platforms. And if you're a builder industry expert who wants to share your expertise and be featured on our show, please get in touch. We'd love to hear about your latest projects, launches, and insights. Thank you again for joining us on Livable Launch. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. Stay up to date with the latest condo and new home launches, trends, and insider knowledge. Until next time, keep building, dreaming, and exploring the world of real estate. Remember, Livable Launch is here to guide you for every step of the way. I'm Matthew Slutsky, and this is Livable Launch signing off. Happy building, and see you soon.